while we still got a bit of budget on the brain, what should you be doing with your money? Is it better off sitting in the bank or should you invest it? Let me explain. Let me explain with Sean Defoe, a News Talk original. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. This week we're asking what to do with your money. And while having a bit of cash left over at the end of the month has more and more felt like a luxury over the past two years, getting any sort of return on your money you might have in the bank has felt equally difficult. We're finally seeing some of those banks pass along interest rate hikes, but it is slow. So should you go and seek higher returns elsewhere, maybe risking your money in the process. Firstly, just to say nothing in this podcast should be considered financial advice and always do your own research and due diligence. But let's start with Sarah Quirk from Good Body Stock Brokers, who says you might actually already be betting on the stock market without knowing it. It absolutely is. And I think a lot of people, as you say, think of investing as something for somebody else or somebody else with millions in the bank. And it, it's not, but I think there's a little bit of fear around um, if you haven't been exposed to investing, um, you know, how do you get into it and, and how do you think about it? But like I would say, you know, if you think you're in a job, you have a pension, that's an investment, that's a huge investment asset and it's actually probably one of the most tax efficient investments that you can do, but that's invested in equity markets and bonds. So, you know, you may have already exposure to investments in that sense. And also a lot of people would maybe as part of their remuneration and um, receive, you know, uh, stock options. So again, um, you know, without even means to dip your toe in the water, a lot of people can be, um, you know, exposed to the stock market already. Now, there are all kinds of investments. Is anyone else, for example, getting those targeted ads on Instagram for investing in whiskey barrels? Almost the second I turned 30, they turned up on my feed rather suspiciously. But the two main ones are equities or, or stocks, shares uh, and bonds. Stocks and shares meaning buying a little piece of a company and hoping that that company does well or pays you a dividend, a, a cash payment each year or each quarter to shareholders. And bonds, well, let's let Sarah explain those. What you need to think about is what is my risk level? So do I want to put all my money into the high risk asset that is equity? Potentially not. You might want to introduce other asset classes like bonds. And um, so a bond is essentially like buying a little bit of debt in a company or in a government. So for example, you could buy the, you know, a German government bond, which is a really, really safe asset. Some would say safer than having money in the in the bank. And um, and you can buy that for a portion of your portfolio and then you can put a portion into equities but you're not taking on all extremely high risk you're sort of diversifying across the asset classes and adding some really nice safe haven assets in there as well for a little bit of protection trying to figure out where to put your money in all of those options can be a bit of a headache and absolutely requires research same as if you research a product any sort of product you're buying a hoover you put a bit of research into it what's the best hoover uh, so let's bring in author financial planner and broadcaster owen mcgee Firstly, who should be looking at it? What kind of financial position should you be in before you consider investing your money? Very simple for me. That's what I would call the five-year rule. So if you're looking at your bank account, your credit union, your own cost account, and you've got money sitting there that you're not going to use in the next five years, it doesn't belong there. It needs to be somewhere else. And we have about 150 billion, give or take, in deposits right now, in bank accounts right now across the country. That doesn't include what's in on posts and other places, but let's just call it bank accounts of 150 billion. My guess, probably 60-70% of that should not be there. It should be somewhere else. And the reason why we're looking at that and the reason why the five-year rule applies is 
it's got to do with your purchasing power. So to keep it really simple, if you have 10,000 euros in a bank account today and you put it on deposit, and let's imagine you get half of 1% interest, okay? Then you can argue what the interest rates are available, right? Let's imagine you get half of 1% interest over the next five years. Ignore tax, simple interest, that 10,000 euros is going to turn into 10,250 euros, okay? But if you wanted to buy something today for 10,000 euros, and you said, you know what, I'm going to push back that decision. I'm going to buy it in five years time instead. If inflation is only 2%, okay? And again, simple interest, not compounding, but simple interest. The thing that costs 10,000 euros today is going to cost 11,000 euros in five years time. Most people look at their bank account and say, oh, it went from 10 to 10 to 5. Oh, I didn't lose any money. But the thing you wanted to buy, you have lost 750 euros of your purchasing power. So you think that's bad over five years? Try it over 10 and 20 and then put the compounding into it and it just gets exponentially worse. And there's a reason from a five-year perspective why I would use five years. And that's just the way in which I invest. Statistically, you've got a good chance of getting a good return if you can let it breathe for five years or more. Okay. So if you are in a situation maybe where you've got a, a hundred quid, a couple hundred quid left at the end of the month that you're not thinking you need right away, maybe you should think of looking at that. But what if you've got a bit of credit card debt? What if you're using your credit card uh, uh, you know, every month and you're just paying it off paycheck to paycheck? Is that something you should then think, right, that needs to all go into the credit card rather than investing? 100%. So the five-year rule applies to money sitting in your bank account, but it also applies to your wages if you've got spare cash at the end of the month. But remember, the rule says, if I'm not going to use this in the next five years. So in other words, you have nothing better to do with it. Something better to do with it is to clear down debt. So if you think about it, a credit card, it wouldn't be unusual for a credit card to be at 20% interest. People forget, 1,000 euros on a credit card left alone for a year, it's simple interest to get. It's 200 euros in interest. And what I would say is, is unless you're going to take that 1,000 euros and you're going to make, if the, if the interest rate on the credit card is 20%, and you say, oh, well, I could invest it and get more than that, you need to be getting probably 40% to pay the tax to be left 20% to cover the cost of the credit card. It's just not going to happen, right? And even if you bring that right the way down, my car loan at uh, 6%, my personal loan at 8%, double the interest rate and see, is it realistic that I'm going to get that return if I do something different with my money? If it's not, you need to clear down the debt. And nine times, like 99% of the time, clearing down what I call crappy debt is the best use of your money. The only mistake people make from time to time is, is they say, okay, I've got 10,000 euros in my credit union account and I owe them 10,000 euros. Should I clear one off the other? The problem you have there is that if you clear it off and that's the only 10,000 euros you have in savings, the issue you have is, is you clear off the loan, your savings are gone, the loan has gone great. Then life happens. And in two weeks' time, you need a new washing machine and you have to put it on the credit card at 20%, but the loan you just cleared off was only at 6 or 8%. So you have to be careful about how you manage that. But one of the things you have to be aware of is, and people need to get this really bedded into themselves, you are on a treadmill when you've got crappy debt. And crappy debts, overdrafts, car loans, personal loans, credit cards, all that stuff, you're on an absolute financial treadmill and you're never going to get properly ahead long-term if you don't sort out that stuff first. So when people are looking at investing, a lot of people are kind of scared of it. A lot of people think it's uh, it's for rich people. It's not for me and you know my bit of money. And God, what if I lost everything? Is that the right approach to have to it, or do we maybe need to be a bit more open in Ireland than than we are? I think it's I think it's people say they're scared. If I'm honest, 
I have lots of people who come into my office and private practice and say, Oh, I'm scared of investing. And then you spend time teaching them and talking to them. And it's not that they're scared, they just don't have the information that they need to not be scared. Okay, so if you don't understand something, whatever it is in life, if you don't understand something, we tend to be scared of it. And therefore it's the exact same thing with investing. Nobody has ever sat down with that person and showed them this is how to invest properly, this is why it's simple, this is why it's boring, by the way. The more exciting an investment becomes or looks, the further you should run away from it, right? It should be boring, it should be simple. Warren Buffett, who's one of the richest men in the world, he's, he's 95-ish now, he's in his late 90s actually, worth over $100 billion. And he started investing when he was 13 and a journalist said to him at one stage, he said, you are one of the richest men in the world. There's actually a playbook there for how you did it. Why doesn't everyone just copy what you did? And his answer was brilliant. His answer was, because nobody wants to get rich slow anymore. And it's kind of went, okay. And what I would say is the right way to get rich is slow. And anything that's promising you the sun, moon, and the stars, that's not where you want to be. Because if it can make money quick, it can lose money quick. And you just need to keep it simple, keep it boring, get your excitement from life, not from your investments. But I do think if you're afraid or you're scared of investing and you're worried about the risk, that's not your fault. That's because someone hasn't actually taken the time to explain it to, to you in a way that you understand that demystifies it and makes you feel more comfortable about it. So there's obviously ways to go about getting informed and it's probably more easy now to invest than ever. You can do it through Revolut, you can do it through eToro, you can do it through all these different accounts. If someone's thinking about it or listening to this and going, yeah, maybe I'll dip the toe, where would you point them to first? But you see, that's where the problem comes about, right? So what first thing, if you're going to dip in the toe in and you're kind of, and particularly one of the big problems I have with those apps, it doesn't matter if it's any of the ones you mentioned or a different one, when it's that accessible, when it's that easy just to take out your phone and do it and put it on, the likelihood is, is you're going to look at it again tomorrow and you're looking at it and it's going to be up and it's going to be down. And it's going to be all, oh, do you, I'm, not, I'm not cut out for this investing thing, right? And it, those accessible apps encourage the wrong behaviours. Right, so you have to be very careful about it. The other thing you have to be careful about is if you do happen to make money, a lot of people don't realise that the tax burden falls to them that they're supposed to pay. And I've got a lot of people who all made all this money to pay any tax. What do I have to? And they've got this big tax problem now, and they've since spent the money on something else. Right, but the, those apps, in my opinion, really encourage the wrong behaviours to randomly pick certain things and invest in them. Investing isn't short term. Investing properly is long term. And what I would say is, is that just be careful about investing in those ways or put money, betting is what it becomes closer to. It's not really investing, it's closer to investing. And by getting in and out, if I was one of those platforms that provided access to different investment instruments that you could do on your phone, what I want to do as a company is to encourage you to buy and sell as often as you possibly can, because that's where I'm making money. And I'm going to be sending you notifications. Oh, you're up, you've made a profit. Do you want to take it, sell it out? Or you're down, you've made a loss, you want to cut your losses. And you're constantly trying to get that engagement. And interestingly enough, years ago, it was stockbrokers and you have kind of your pictures in your head of the people in Wall Street who just kept churning over the fees by getting people to make transactions. And they were the big bad wolf. Now, because it's in our hand and it's in our phone, we kind of trust it and they're with us and we're the small guys and they're the big guys over here. Ultimately, it's about churning fees. So just be careful about the behavior that that encourages. What I would say when it comes to getting advice, like you do, and you can absolutely accuse me of saying, of course you'd say that all, right? But a good financial planner is your best friend. People who have a good financial planner have two and a half times the net worth of people who don't when they retire. Okay, and maybe that's because they had a decent net worth to start with. That's why they went to a financial planner. Maybe it's because the financial planner questions them on the decisions they're going to make. But actually, I think 
the most important thing a financial planner does is it gets you to look at your finances on a regular basis. It's a third party that you're accountable to somebody else to. And they're saying, this is what you look like. Once a year, they're sitting down and saying, this is what you look like financially. But they can guide you in such a way to do it slowly, to do it right, to leave it alone, to not incur too many fees in, or certainly excessive fees. And that's, to me, what I'd be saying is if you don't have a financial planner, the best way to find them is talk to your mates, talk to your colleagues. Who do you use? We in Ireland aren't great at sitting down at the dinner table and saying, I had a great meeting with my financial planner today. We don't talk about that stuff. So what I would say is, is try and get people to, if you ask the question, people will give it to you, but very few people will volunteer stuff about their own money in Ireland for whatever reason. So finally then, overview, big picture. Yeah, keep calm if you're going to do it. Make sure your your debt is sorted before you do. Uh, and just be that cautious, but not too cautious. Is that fair? Yeah, what I would say is, is you need to, when, when you're doing any investment, whether it's a regular saving or a lump sum where you're putting money into your pension, you need to do your research at the start. And you need to say, okay, this I, I absolutely have confidence that this is the right way to do this. I'm going to stick the course, okay? Because if I stick the course, I know over time it's going to work for me. And you invest and you forget. Women are much better investors than men. Um, now, that's the research. Don't shoot me for saying, oh, this is right. That's not, I'm not being unpolitically correct or whatever the word I'm trying to be. Women are better. And the reason why I have identified that this is the research that was done. But the, anecdotally, what I can say is, is I think that's true because women do their research at the start. They make sure they're happy with it. And then they leave the bloody thing alone to do whatever it needs to do. Whereas men always want to tinker with it. I and mean, I'm being very generous that, oh, I heard this or my mate told me this or should we move some of the money? No, leave the thing alone. Set it up right at the start, invest and forget. There was a, just very quickly, actually, sorry, I know, I know they, I've got off on a slight tangent, but there was a company in the US and they did, they had a platform, not dissimilar, but they were a much longer term platform where they went direct to customers. And they couple a hundred thousand, a very big investment house in the US. They couple a hundred thousand customers. And what they did was they identified the best performers over the last 10 or 20 years. I can't remember exactly what it was. They said, here's our top 50 investors. These investors have done much better than anybody else. And let's find out what the secret sauce is. And they went off and they went about contacting and you know what they found? They found that the people were either dead or they'd forgotten about their account. So in other words, they did us, they left it alone and they didn't touch us and they become the best investors that this company had. It's the people by messing with it, set it up right, put your effort into it at the start and leave the thing alone. So there you have it. If you have money you don't need for more than five years, maybe think about investing it, but do your research first. And if you do, just leave it alone. I'm Sean Defoe. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Let Me Explain and we'll chat to you soon.